0: RIP Rick-
1: Reggae Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. If you're fresh and new to this podcast it is all about connecting people of the diaspora through inspiration, wisdom and stories. Obviously in a way to connect them all is none other than sweet reggae music which all of my guests select. So they make seven selections of songs that are Inspirational to them, or have carried them through their life, and they have memories attached to. If you've missed out on any previous episodes all you need to do is hit the subscribe button and get all caught up. If you would like to check out my other works as not only as I'm your host for Reggae Uprising podcast I am also a reggae soul singer so if you want to go and check out any of my works any of my music and the other weekly shows that I do all you need to do is go to daniel.co.uk alternatively you can go to any of my social media which is danielmusic. music but all of the links are in the description for you, so please feel free to check me out, have a look, and share any of the works that you feel inspire you. Right, we're gonna move on to today's guest's first selection, which is Delroy Wilson No More Heartache. Guest is a vocalist in the globally acclaimed band Tradition, who has brought lovers rock all across the world through their shows, tours, and of course, the festival circuit. Now, to add to their full catalogue, in 2015, Tradition received a BEFFTA award for Excellency and Achievement and have since signed to Base One Entertainment Limited with their most recent release being their single Dreamers. I would like to welcome Les McNeil. Greetings and welcome Les.
2: Greetings to everyone and um, respect to uh, yourself and uh, you know all the silent listeners.
1: Well, thank you so much for being a guest on this week's show. Can you tell us the reason for that first selection we just heard?
2: The reason for my first selection is for two people who were a big influence in my life. Um, one of them was my, obviously, my mum, and one was my uncle, who you know sort of taught me the way of being an adult, and showed me the right and wrong ways, (laughs) sometimes in not such a, uh, you know, very gentle way, but you know what, Um, I um, appreciate, I appreciate that.
1: Okay, and as I ask all of my guests, as we are people of the diaspora, please can you tell me, or should I say us, all about your heritage?
2: Well, my my, uh, heritage, I'm I'm from... from, um, I live in a place called Trelawna in Jamaica, but not so little, really. Um, country, you know, the countryside of Jamaica. We are mainly farmers down there. I'm a country by heart and uh, I love it. Um, and uh, I grew up with um, my uh, grandfather most of all because my uh, parents came to England, my dad first and then my mum. And my uncle was uh, a big influence to me because he was the one who, as I say, directed me mostly, um, you know, throughout life and gave me the wisdom, uh, the, the benefit of, of his wisdom. So, so, therefore, I'm very grateful for that.
1: Okay. And in terms of um, your childhood, growing up, your adolescence, what traditions can you remember from your household that were connected to your heritage?
2: Um. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a very good question because I mean, the, growing up um, in in the the sixties, my mum was the, was the boss, and you know she she told us to cook, um, wash iron. I mean, I'm sure lots of people will identify with this, and uh, the rules the rules of life, you know. And uh, I remember my my grandfather saying to me, which you know, even today he said to me. My grandson I don't know if I'll see you but this is when I was leaving Jamaica uh, but um the the, the same was how and thank you how thank you you will bring you through the world and you know I've never forgotten that and it was really reiterated so hey when um, when I came to England by my uh, most of my mother my dad was there but my, my mom was the, uh, the 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 boss you know so um I'm really Really grateful of 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 the teachings of of my uh, my parents and my forefathers.
1: And how do you think that's influenced your choices going throughout your life? Their their kind of how they set you up, the seeds that they kind of sowed in you, in in the ways to be, and you know your consciousness and all of that. How do you think that's influenced you in your life so far?
2: It's friendly Influenced me greatly because I mean I was able to pass on to my children the same same kind of values, um, and you know I, I'm just a little bit disappointed today that um, a lot of those values are not carried on. Um, no disrespect to and an appearance the parents because it's not it's not an easy road these days, but you know those values carry through life, and and they may seem simple words, but they're very powerful. And, and one thing I remember saying, uh, saying, it doesn't cost you anything. You know, to say thank you to somebody or, you know, or sorry or, you know, or good morning, or, it doesn't cost you anything. It's just, it's just uh, you know, a way of, of, of showing respect, which, um, you know, I think are great values.
1: And before we get into your next selection, what kind of music can you remember? In your household, growing up, what was always playing? What was like the anthem of the house? Ah, <laughs>
2: there was a variety of music. I mean, there was a, there was a very right choice. My my uh, my uncle, um, he was into his Elvis Presley, and uh, the "No More Heartache" was one of the tunes that was, you know, a, a religious um, tune that was played uh, some, mostly on Sundays. Um, because I don't, I don't know, a lot of people remember the whole blue spot gram. Well, he had one of those, and um, believe me, the the, the music that I used to come from there. Um, I probably didn't have much choice than to be a musician because of the the um, wide selection of music. And my mum, my mum was was um, you know the Ace Cannon and the Jim Reeves, and you know she she was very. Um, So, so a very proud lady, um, and her faith was unquestioned. You know, very um, astute Christian. Um, So I was brought brought up with that sort of discipline. So her her choice was was, uh, mostly the gospel, and my uncle was, you know, one of the Delroy Wilson, um, John Holt. So uh, I had quite a wide choice, you know, um, which did influence me.
1: Now, for our listeners that don't know, could you explain the what you're saying about the blue spot for for us, please? The blue.
2: If you had a blue spot Ram, then you, you had the business. It was it was one that was um. It was like a, a a selector. You know, you had the seven inch records, and you put it on top, and you and you, you selected your singles um, automatically. But to have a, a blue, blue spot Ram was at the top of uh, top of the the line, you know. Um, there's a lot of, um, I love grams like the Blar Plunk, but blue spot was the ones that, um, most of us, you know, used to have in the house, you know, and, uh, you, you know, you can, you can hear the conversation of people going around and saying, well, my blue spot, you know, I mean, and once you, once you had a blue spot, you were in the club, <laughs> put it that way, you know, but it, it was just, it was, a, 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 like a got this in it but it's like a a record player but it was you know you having a mercedes sl or something you know
1: okay okay um so we're gonna move on to your next selection which is last dance ace canyon why did you choose this one ah
2: well this this one this one is easy i mean you know a lot of people remember ace canyon um playing that track last dance but this is when the, the rice and peas was cooking in the kitchen you know the rice and peas yeah. and, the, and, the, and the chicken was cooking in the, k- the kitchen and then you had the um either you had the carrot punch the pineapple punch or the Guinness punch um and then once once the that was done then you know that um sunday dinner is ready you know but it's kind and and, and As I was saying to you, people like Jim Reeves was was what Mom used to play while she was in the, the kitchen doing the business, you know?
1: Okay. All right, here we go with Ace Cannon, Last Dance. Thank you. Now, when did you decide that you wanted a career in music, and how did that go down with the family? Was it welcomed, or what, did they try and steer you in a different direction?
2: Not at all, because um, to be honest, I was I was quite a good footballer. I mean, I mean, you must have heard, uh, like uh, Ricky Hill, uh, Luther Blissett, um You know, I played with most of those guys, so um, football. I could have I could have gone in that direction playing football because I did have the uh, the skills to do it, but, um, I just love music. Cause my, my, mom, my mom's a great singer. She, she went toward uh, Jamaica to sing the uh, choirs. And my dad was a great baritone singer. Um, you know, so I've, I've, I've sort of grown up with music. Um, so it wasn't really a hard choice, you know? And then, um, then I went to church, of course I had to go to church on Sundays. Um, Then we formed a little group at church. I wrote a few songs for a few people called the Soul Seekers. Um, Some people might have heard for them, but, and they, you know, they performed songs in the the Real Alba Hall, but mostly that was um, influenced by church, you know, going to church and um, performing there, mostly.
1: So, did you have to do any jobs previous to, you know, doing music full time? In order to fund your musical career Well
2: not so much funding but I, I am an engineer technician by, by trade that's my qualified trade I'm um, well, my sitting hills and all the papers um, for that for that uh, trade but but while doing that um, I used to do my music on the side if you like and it just happens that um, music took over you know the job I, I used to do um so therefore I was I was able to uh live or survive uh from my music and and thank God um you know i I didn't really look back from that
1: so you know when you started your musical career what would you say were the biggest obstacles that you faced
2: the bi- biggest obstacle I faced which I mean I run a label now bass one and the biggest obstacle, um, I faced I think it was not knowing the business um, because you know we were young we were, we were getting the attention um, and obviously you know the money was coming coming in but we didn't know the business all we knew is that um, you know we'd have a meeting and, and, and the guys would say to us uh, well you know uh, we've sold X amount of of singles we made X amount of money and this is your share." now there was no Invoice produced, there was no statement given, you know, and I think uh, a, a lot of people in the music will be listening to this and saying, yes, I went down the same same road. I mean, people like myself, Peter Honigale, these guys were, you know, Janet Kaye, we we're all in the same sort of boat. And some people were lucky to have good management, like, you know, um, God rest itself, Delroy, Wilson, Delroy Washington was a great friend of mine. He signed to Virgin Records, and um, obviously they did their business differently. You know, he he got managed uh, properly. You know, write statements. I think the the, the the biggest obstacle was not knowing the business ourselves. So therefore, um, <clears throat> that changed changed uh, the the direction of where where we you know, we could have gone.
1: Okay, and can you tell us of any stories? Um of any hardships of musicians that you know where they were, you know, basically did a bad deal or, you know, um, weren't, weren't paid out the monies that they, that they, or for the work that they put in. They weren't acknowledged for the works that they did and they ended up doing an unfair deal. But like you said, because they were fresh-faced or they didn't know the industry as such. Well,
2: I mean, yes. I mean, our prime example is ourselves because uh, we signed with RCA, we signed the RCA, which is was a you know we were the only reggae band ever to sign to RCA. Um, RCA Victor, um, everybody knows Elvis Presley. That was uh, Elvis Presley's label, and um, you know we, we toured with those sort of people, boomtown rats, Elton John. You know I could I could go on uh, I'm not my for a bit, but uh, I could go on. And we we did um, once we signed the deal, um, we were told. One thing, we were never showed any paperwork. This is, this is you know, I was a we were never showed any paperwork. We were just told, this is what was, was given. And being green, um, we accepted that. And it's only years later, we're finding out that wasn't the actual case um, of what was given. So, you know, I don't really need to look to anyone else because we, we went through that. And, you know, if the, if the guys were... Uh, if the guys were here, they'd, they'd tell you the same thing that, um, you know, that I, I, find, I find that the, the, the business size and how the, the uh, management treated the, 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 the artists because they didn't know was very, very wrong. You know very, very wrong because I mean a lot of, of, of us could have gone a lot further and did more if, if we were treated uh, properly you know, the management aspects of, of things.
1: So did you feel like they weren't interested in the longevity of a band that had been built up? They just wanted to kind of squeeze it dry, get as much cash out as quick as they could and then kind of just leave you by the wayside?
2: You hit an right arrow right in the head. And, you know, we were cash cows. Um, we were cash cows and we were getting a name and, you know, we were earning a, earning a bit of money and we were touring, you know, because, uh, as I said to you, we toured with some big names. We did, um, you know, um, Thin Lizzy, we we did uh, we did La Palais in, in Paris. You know the Jacks, we did the Monday, the Jacksons did the Tuesday night. So we were playing from big venues, and and I said that we did quite a few festivals. You know with big bands, so so we were getting the exposure. Uh, and I'm not saying that the money was rolling in like water, but the the you know we were getting um, a a comfortable income. Uh, but what what it is is um you know i have to say if people get greedy and um uh, <laughs> i't want to get political at all but i think with so with some of our people when they see the green the, the the green notes uh it kind of i don't know what it does it does something to them you know hypnotizes them to 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 not do the right thing and and i think if they just did the right thing i mean prime example, I'm going to call the name Chris Blackwell. Chris Blackwell uh, and Bob Marley, you know, he just did the right thing with Bob Marley. And now, uh, I mean, obviously, Bob is a brilliant, great, great talent. But he did the right thing. He managed them right. Um, and, well, the rest is history, really.
1: With that said, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Dennis Brown silhouette. Why did you choose this selection?
2: Ah, oh, come on, the silhouette. Well, silhouette is the, is the Friday night when you're going out to All Nations, bouncing ball, burns. Maybe you don't remember those gloves. <laughs> you know, but, uh, the, but uh, those were the, when you put on your your, your your mohair tonic, your tonic suits, you know, your your brogues. And uh, you see, when you go to All Nations with the, the different floors and, and silhouette, the lights are down, you know, um, these are the tunes that I used to play, you know. So when you when you uh, when you play a tune like Silhouette, if you're left standing by yourself, or not, you know, grabbing a dance, then um, sorry for you.
1: Here we go with Dennis Brown's Silhouette.
0: Silhouette. I want
1: to a bit of the works of tradition um, but I want to rewind a little bit and find out a bit more of the background of tradition and how you came to be in the band
2: well, I formed the band I'm a founder member of the band um, because uh, I, uh, once again it was that's from, from church days uh, most I used to go to boys brigade and school so some of the guys went to school with and most of the guys went to boys, boys brigade with and uh, as I said to you um, I formed a little group at in church and we used to play because I mean we were called special brew and clouds and you know um, but what happened a, a few people came into the band and, and then left and then at the end of the day um, we met up with some guys from school uh, Paul Thompson uh, Tony Matthews uh, Chris Henry and that was the original um, Special brew, if you like, and then um, Paul Dawkins came in a little bit later on, and then we uh, we used to rehearse in one of the guys' garage. And you know something? Um, it's um, I'm telling you, I'm most grateful for is that Tony's parents used to give us the garage to re- to rehearse in, and they never you know charge us. They encouraged us, in fact. You know, when we offered to give a little thing for electric and whatever, they said no. You, you know, we know where you are. We know what you're doing. Go ahead. You see, so um, I think that's what's needed these days: the, the encouragement to say you're doing something worthwhile. So, so, so carry on. You know. And then I, I remember when when I first when we recorded our first song as a tradition, um, it was called Moving On. And we went to TWW Studio down in Fulham Palace Road, and uh, we didn't have enough money to pay for the session. We didn't have the money, so the guy, you know, everyone was going to their pockets, taking out pence. Uh, you know, can we make this up? So the guy looked at the studio and said, "Just give me what you have, man, and take the tape." You know, and that's that's how that's how we got our a quarter inch. You know, and then obviously went to Mr. Palmer. That didn't happen. So we went to Venture Music, uh, Barry Tyrone, who um, we recorded it at Stamford Hill. We recorded the song and then, um, yeah, released it. Well, the rest is history, really.
1: Them things are like unheard of now. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> no, it's, not, it's
2: just not done. It's, it's just not done.
1: Um, you know, but which is a shame. Can you remember your first ever show with Tradition then?
2: first of our show was uh was norik that was our first show as tradition and uh i remember hiring our equipment and we had the, you know the old because at that time it was the old army suits you know so we all dressed in armor suits and whatever and it went it went down really well it Went down really well um as i say from 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 that really we we just started to uh tour quite a bit did quite a lot of a lot of shows all over the place you know um I don't. I don't think there's many menus, venues that we haven't played. To be quite honest, um, and and we've travelled extensively after that. You know, just sort of put
1: it in a nutshell. So, were you nervous for that first show? Yeah,
2: yeah, we're, we're, we're apprehensive. I wouldn't say we're nervous. We're apprehensive because we, we we rehearsed a lot. We used to rehearse quite a lot, and um, you know, power um, Road was was famous for where tradition rehearsed because uh um eighty four Harrow Road, uh, Venture Venture Records. Um that's where I met up with uh, with, De- uh, with Desi, you know. But um yeah, we used to rehearse quite a lot. So I'm a bit apprehensive. I don't think anyone was was really nervous because we we did the show and um yeah, went down really well.
1: Right, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is John Holt's "Time is the Master." Why did you pick this selection?
2: Well, time, John Holt, "Time is the Master," it's, it's to me sounds like, you know, how how I like my music to sound, very classical, um, smooth, and obviously, you know, the unmistakable voice of John Holt. Um, it's just relax. It's just a relaxing uh, tune a great uh, melody arrangement you know Um, this is one of the one of the tunes I just like to play in the car and uh, while driving along you know because it it just keeps you calm whenever people's driving in front of you and you know jumping in your lane or whatever it just keeps you calm so um, I'd advise anybody to download time is the master play in your car when you're driving and, and believe me it works
1: Here we go with John Holtz, Time is the Master. Time is a going,
3: why not make yourself a plan And try to be someone, hold up your head so I can see you trying Time is the master, but time can be disaster if you don't care. You young and gay, you old and brave, time is the master, but time can be disaster if you don't care. Time, time.
1: so out of all your performances which are your favorite songs to perform then out of all your hits
2: uh do you know the the two songs i think we performed we we performed was was probably every little Heart" and um breezing but i mean we you know it, it depends where we're playing because um We've got quite a, a a good catalog you know we've, we've just signed uh, last year for this uh <laughs> pandemic happened uh, we, we signed uh, eight albums to no nine albums to uh, japan for re-release so um we've got quite a good catalog but i think the two songs we we probably um perform most, if, we, if we're doing a PAS, I'm going to every little bit of my heart, and um, Breezing. Breezing was uh, got um, top 40 in the British charts, so I suppose that, that had more exposure than probably all the rest of the songs.
1: Speaking of the rest of the songs, <laughs> your next selection is um, Gambling Man. Obviously, do you want to tell us why you chose that from your catalogue? Uh, yes,
2: I can. Um... Well, gambling, man, um, it was, was taken off experience, really. But uh, I won't go into the experience. But, but, but what happened is, two, twice it happened to me. Um, in Wolverhampton, we were performing in Wolverhampton. And uh, just before the show, um, a guy came into the training room. And he, he, said, uh, he said, he introduced himself and he said, well, which one of you guys write that song, wrote that song? Who's led? So I said, um, me. He said, he came over and he shook my hand. Twice, as I said, it happened. He came over and he shook my hand and he said, he said, I had to come and meet him, my brother. Because that song is a portrait of my life. I said, what do you mean, bro? He said to me, "Um, that's a portrait of my life. He said, one night I was coming home about two, two, three o'clock in the morning and that song came over radio, Rampton, you know, the, the national radio up there. And he said that I had to pull my car over and I was in tears. I said, I'm, you know, I'm glad it touched you my brother, you know, um, you know, I'm happy that it did touch you and you know, you, you could um, relate to it. And he said, Yes, thank you so much and, and you changed my life. So I said, I, said, I appreciate you 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 coming and, and, and tell me that and he shook my hand and he said, Thank you. And then he, he walked out the, the changing room. And then I was playing somewhere else and exactly the same thing happened again. came. Okay, we didn't go as far as to say he pulled over and cry, but he said that he heard the song and uh, he could relate to the song because he was a gambler and, um, you know, he was going through the same thing with his family. So, um, yeah, so that that's why I had to choose this song because, you know, that story, even now, <laughs> I, I tell my kids about it and... Uh,
1: it touched me well there's no there's no greater honor than you know making some music and it has an impact on people and then they kind of share that story with you so it kind of goes full circle so absolutely as musicians that's the best honor that we can ever get so um, absolutely here we go with gambling man by tradition travels all over the world you've done you know global tours um what what stories have you got to share with us about about them that maybe could help other musicians or maybe just funny stories or just experiences that you had on tour well
2: <laughs> there's so many um if i knew you were going to answer this one i would have one out but there, there's, there's, there's there's many stories i, I remember um there's one story we we, we did a, a show. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a great great uh, event, but to me it was. Now I did a show and I had a, a favorite pair of shoes. Now what the guys did was they were all jokers. Believe me, they were all jokers in the band. So we're traveling, we're traveling on on, on the motorway and coming back. And and the, and the guy said to me, Liz, did you want to pick up shoes? Because they were in the training room." Oh, no. Now, it may sound trivial to somebody, but, you know, when you have some your favorite hat or your favorite shoes or whatever. So so what, what I did was, I said, no. I said, we've got to go back. I said, we're not too far, man. Let's turn around. So what they did, they played a joke on me. And what they'd done, because we used to travel on a van where, where we the equipment went off in a truck and we, we had a, a van or a car to tour to around in. So I was in one one van and the guys were in the the other. What they did was tie my two shoes on the wind, the the uh, mirrors and the two mirrors of the van and drove past me.
0: Mm-mm. And they <laughs>
2: they knew <laughs> because they, they they picked them up and and hid them. So they had the plan before before we we left out. You see what I'm saying? So. I mean, obviously, there's many, many other stories. And how but, lo-
1: hold know. on, how long did they run that joke for? How long did it take for you to get the shoes back? Well,
2: well they, they got, what they did was they tied it onto the two mirrors. The mirrors are van, so I couldn't, you know, we were, we're travelling on the motorway, so there was no way I could have... I got lost of my two shoes blowing in the wind,
3: mm. you know, mm. so until
2: we got to the, the chalet where we were staying, because it was on the continent, I couldn't get my shoes back because if one had fallen off, then obviously you know, thankfully they didn't, but they (laughs) they had the plan, they had the plan, you know, and uh, oh boy, it was was great times on the road, you know, really, really great times.
1: And how did you cope with all being in, you know, being together 24-7, like, did you have coping coping mechanisms, like, what did you do to not, you know, because I suppose it's the same as like, family and all living in the house, but I suppose it's more confined because at least you can escape. Or whatever When you're on tour, you can't really do that as such, can you? So how did you kind of all get on with the tours? And, and we all know, like, in doing performances, or all musicians all know, something is bound to go wrong, even if it's a minor <laughs> thing. So how Absolutely. did you cope with that? Yeah. Do
2: you know what? Um, we, we lived like brothers. I mean, we, we knew each other since we were, I don't know, 17... Uh, I some of us went to school together, but from about 17 after 1718 around that time that we we were all together playing music and you know touring and we're still doing uh, up to the, this day we still we still you know play because we're supposed to do the, uh, the, the big festival in um, in Great Yarmouth with the specials and um, madness. But obviously that was that was supposed to be done in the 9th of May. Um, but obviously because of the 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 present situation we're in um that didn't happen so they've moved it back down to october so we're still we're still touring and, and playing playing now but you know something we cope like brothers it was amazing absolutely there was no argument that i remember everyone have uh a, a disagreement not a disagreement where where you you know you sort of cuss each other and like that but if you don't agree with it, it's something, you argue your point, if you understand what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, we're all cooked, everybody cooked, um, shared food, and it was really, it was really good. It, it, was, it was a really, really good time.
1: And I suppose yeah. by now you kind of know each other's characteristics and ways exactly. and where to avoid and where to speak and where to just, oh, forget it, I'm not even going to bother. Type there thing you go. I... <laughs>
2: There you go. You see, this is why I'm saying to you about the shoes because they knew <laughs> that I was attached to that and they, they knew where to get to me. You see,
0: mm-hmm. Like,
2: like we knew where to get to each, each one of us, you know what I'm saying?
0: So oh, okay.
2: play little tricks on, on, on people. So, uh, so yeah, even with the road crew, you know, we traveled with a, with a road crew and they were great. We, we all sort of, you know, especially abroad, we all sort of, you know, the, the renters a chalet or something. And we all, you know, camp down together. Um, which was which was good, really good.
1: And how did you cope, cope with mm-hmm. the the foods in the different places that you went? Were you all like open to trying the different foods in the different countries? Or did you kind of buy up your own food and do your own cooking? How did that go down?
2: Well, it depends where we were. I mean, a place, like Suriname, a place like Suriname is very similar to our food. They season our food, their food, uh, very similar. But when you go to places like, uh, like Paris and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people's been to France, and um, the, the, there's a lot of cold meat. It's not, you know, when you when you say breakfast, like Italy and, and place like that. When you say breakfast, it's not the breakfast that you know, a full you say a full English with your egg, bacon, whatever. It's it's uh, it's cheeses. It's all cheeses and rye breads and and uh, cold meats. You know, so when you when you when you're staying in a hotel you know a nice hotel because we used to stay in some nice hotels and you come down to breakfast and you're expecting a big fry up it's not happening
1: so how did that go down the first time then <laughs> were you like
2: this <laughs> i put, put it this, this way some some people liked it some didn't
3: right
2: i mean i i um i don't do the the big fry up myself but uh you know a couple of probably a couple of boiled eggs and some portions i don't i don't drink coffee or tea so for me, it would be just like hot water, but you know, we coat, we coat because uh, we're still around, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but at the, the end of the when they did hire it, you know, because mostly if we were abroad, they used to hire a, a chalet for us or a flat or something. Uh, so we used to just buy our food and cook it, you
1: know, Okay.
2: make, you know, make a dumpling and your yeah, whatever, you know, so, uh, so yeah, no, we, we cooked.
1: Did you used to travel with hot pepper sauce? Uh,
2: f- funny you should say that. Yes, one of the boys <laughs> <that> Paul, Thompson, <laughs> Paul, Thompson, Paul Thompson. never went anywhere way without that boy could eat hot pepper sauce. Well, funny enough, you, you should mention that because we were talking about it the other day, and he was saying that um, he can't. Eat, he used to put hot pepper sauce on hardo bread and eat it. Mm-hmm. I said, Paul, how? He, uh, he said, Well, Les, I can't do that anymore now.
1: I said, Okay. <laughs> Why? Why can't you do it no more?
2: I don't know. Uh, I think I think the the ages uh, caught up with it. Okay. So. <laughs> the palate can't, can't deal with it. Anymore. Right. It can't deal with the end corner. You
1: know. Oh well. Um. So you know, in your travels, um, all the performances you've done all over the world. I know this is a really hard question, but whether it be the crowd participation, the stage, or just the vibe, can you tell us your favorite three performances?
2: Oh, wow. Well, um, well, my fav- well our favourite performance, would have been, because t- uh, I don't know if you remember when Bob Marley toured um, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand, they toured. Because he actually, um, there was talk of us touring with him. Because he actually sent we did a, 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 a show at um, Amersmith Palais, and he sent the I3s down to um, to to check us out. Because there was talk of us touring, touring with him, it didn't happen. It didn't happen, which I'm really, really disappointed. It didn't happen. I have no idea why. <laughs> but I think uh, a few famous is when we played with. Uh, remember? Do you remember a band called Berlin?
1: No, I don't. know.
2: Berlin was a big rock rock band. Uh, it was sort of. Um, I don't like Monday's um, Boomtown Rats. Well, we did we did a big uh, festival in Holland. Massive festival though i mean you couldn't see you couldn't see people and uh i think thin lizzy and one of the one of the i'm kind of going back probably before, not probably before your time thin lizzy we we did at uh, at uh, in france and um uh what's the, the guys the blockheads ian jury to, to be in their presence, present because these Ian Dury at that time was 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 the man you know Ian Dury and the blockheads but these guys and then we, obviously we did the Elton John but and with Usher Hall Usher Hall with um with culture you know so um, there was a lot to choose from uh, that's a tough one that it is a tough question because we did some great shows you know. With some some really good, t- so Tom Jones, yeah, we performed with all these people, so it, it's pretty hard to, to to choose three three shows.
1: Right, okay, we're gonna move on to your next selection. Chosen fuse, everybody plays the fool.
2: Everybody plays the fool. Well, I can tell you that one. That that one. Uh, that was the first time I had my heart broken, <laughs> and I bought that song, and I wore that song out. Because uh, it, it seemed that there was no moving on from 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 that uh, from 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 the heartbreak. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, everything stopped. You know? It's, you know, you know, your first love and uh, it ended, and uh, so therefore you you need something. You know, some people take to the drink, some people take to you know having a smoke. Well, I took to that that song. I play that song so much. Um, more out, uh, and it's still one of my favourite songs. Even though the the uh, the hurt is gone, but the song still has a great memory. You know.
1: Here we go with chosen fuse. Everybody plays the fool.
0: Time? Well, before you do anything rash, well, dig this. Everybody plays a fool sometimes. There's no exception.
1: what are the three things that you wish you'd known about the music industry so if you could go back in time and tell you yourself these three little gems what would they be
2: first of all first and foremost is to learn the business about about the um, about the music um, that uh, that I think because I think I have a, a sort of natural aptitude towards the music and production because most of the, the songs um, that with the on the albums you know, i hope to uh, produce with alongside the guys but um i don't think there's anything much to be quite honest i would change apart from the business side of the thing to to, to open our eyes a little bit more to um to the paperwork because when when you know as, as guys will tell you when you're up on stage and you're performing you're doing your thing it's 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 a, it's a different world it's a different world because that's where you want to be and you're not concerned about you know the figures coming in the paperwork and the, the views because you have people doing that See, when we, when we um signed with rca we had a, a personal manager called richard he did all all the tours signed the tours you know he did book the hotels and you know um these things we didn't have to deal with so um learning the business i know you can't do everything but um for me I think learning the business would be my top of my list at that time.
1: So in your opinion, a little bit of advice um, for musicians and artists, um, what three characteristics do you think are vital to be an artist?
2: Learn your trade because uh, the the music I hear uh, nowadays, you know, you've got some really talented, talented people. Um, but what it is, is, you know, uh, you talk to, 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 to the, the youngers, no disrespect, and, and I'm saying that up front, and they said, yeah, I'm, I'm a great producer. And you, and you say to them, well, um, what do you play? Well, I don't play anything. And you said, but how am saying I are You're a great producer. You've got a good ear, fine. But then you have to wait for me to play something on my keyboard or on my guitar or whatever for you to copy copy and paste you need to learn an instrument uh, and I'll, and I will say that you know without prejudice you need to learn to play an instrument i read music but it, it, it's not essential because if you if you know you know if i say look let's play in the chord of g you know the sequence of g so that that, that that's fine where some of the greatest songs you know people like count basie they don't they don't read sheet music but what, what they do know, they know their scales and they know uh, how to arrange things. You know, you, when you talk about um, a track like, like, like um, Thriller, these these guys, um, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones was a street musician. You know what I'm saying? But what these guys did, they went to school and they learned their craft. And once you learn, learn it's like learning to drive. Once you learn to drive, you know when to change gear and when not to. And it's the same like harmonies. There's seven notes in music. And if you know how to put them, you know, put them together, there's sub notes, you know, like augments and thirteens. You don't need to know all that, but you need to put them all together. And I think that is where the young producers are missing out because they're not learning the craft. You know, and that's all I can say to them. And I've said it many times because I've run my label. And I sent to them many times, they send me some things and I, and I, and I say, well, I can't, I can't be dealing with this. i um, <laughs> sorry, you know. Learn the craft, that's all I'm saying.
1: So we've got one down. Have you got two more for me? Two more characteristics that are vital. Um...
2: Um, yes, and, 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 and I keep repeating myself, but, you know, it's, it's like anything else. I mean, you're doing a radio show today and I'm sure you've put things down on paper and you've prepared... Um, prepare the business. You know, there's nothing like a plan. You have to have a plan. You know where you're going to be going in six months, or what what do you want to produce. And and the other thing is is that you have to respect your. Well, if you're a producer, or even if you're an artist, you've got to respect each other. The producer's got to respect you, and 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 you've got to respect the producer because it's just two. It's ideas coming together, and and when the ideas come together, then that's what that's what makes the hits. And at the end of the day, let's let's be honest, and that's what makes the money. Because you're in business to make money. Um, you write songs, you know, and hopefully gets in the charts and 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 puts uh, money in your pocket. Mm. So I th- I think res- just respecting each other is, is a is a is a great tool to have, and obviously talent. <laughs>
1: yeah, and as yeah. with most industries, reputation is everything. Absolutely, reputation. Marketing. Yeah. yeah. Because if if Absolutely. you're, if everybody gets to know that you're, you know, you're awkward or disrespectful. It kind of there's a great vine in music, and everyone will be like, "Nah, I'm not bothering with that. I haven't got the time for that." So, um, no, some great advice. I just want to say a massive thank you for taking the time. Um, to share your wisdom, all of your experiences, and um, give a bit of advice for any musicians as well on on today's show, I really do appreciate it. Um, we're going to finish off with your final selection, which is Marcia Griffith. Thank you, Lord. Can you tell us why you picked this selection?
2: Well, it's, it's it, you know, it's just it's just to say thank you. I mean, when 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 I play that I play that song a lot. I play that song a lot because um, it just remembers, you know, reminds you of where you're coming from and, you know, written by the great Bob Marley. But it just, it just says everything. I mean, if everyone plays that song and listen to what, what it says, it's just, you're thank you know, you've got a house, you got a car, you know, you got food in the fridge. Um, and some people, I suppose, don't know how to say it. I mean, I learned because of my mum. My mum was a devout Christian and, and I learned to say, thank you, Lord, without even, you know, thinking about it. But, you know, um, that song says it for you. Um, so, you know, you, you, you're doing something in the kitchen or you're relaxing or whatever, you, you play that song and uh, it, it just says it for you. And, and that's one I play very, very often.
1: Well, thank you uh, for being a guest today. Um, is there any new release that you want to tell us about before we play that track?
2: Well, we have we have a few we have a few that we're working on. I mean, Dreamers was our last uh, latest release, but um, that was last year, sometime. But we we have um, a few that's working on and uh, should be very, should come in very very soon. Um, so you know, I'll just say to look out for um, a bass one. And also, I was tell you that you know. I know it's the, the end of the show and we could have probably covered it in, in the interview. But, you know, we have Academy as well, based on Music and Arts Academy, which, you know, it it, it uh, runs all sorts of courses, you know, music courses, um, business management, you know, that's Music, uh, music and Arts Academy, based one.com That's, you know, people can have a look at that as well.
1: Most definitely. I'll put all of those links in the description um, so you can find Tradition and the Academy and all of those great works. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed today's show. Thank you so, so much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time.
2: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm more than welcome.
1: And we're going to finish off with Marcia Griffith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. And make sure you come straight back here next Wednesday until then enjoy the rest of your week as always, one love I, I want to thank you
0: Do for what you're doing now now. thank you lord for every